0: It's Wednesday, April 12th, 2017, and you're listening to episode 439 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 54 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Brodor. This is Zach. Hey, we got Zach joining us today. He's been at several of the Fear of the Cons. If you've seen him on our forums, he's DJ Zach Lorton. Uh, he actually lives here in the area, like all good podcasters do. So, after Eric last week, we have Zach joining us this week. Uh, thank you for having me, man. It's good to be here. Well, it's good to have you. So, Brodor, I want to say something. This isn't a victory lap. <laughs> Because you thought it would be a victory lap.
1: Well, no, I I, I congratulated you the other evening at the movie theater expecting a victory lap. (laughs) But, I mean, not on on the show, per
0: se.
2: Oh, it has to be on the show. I was
0: trying to get you into the 21st century. I hate the 21st century. And the two objectives I had were some form of social media, and I chose Facebook, just because it's uh, the place I check most often. And I also wanted you to get a cell phone. Now... I was still formulating a plan to get you to get a cell phone. But fortunately, as my plan on Facebook unfolded, you did eventually cry uncle and take the account over. (laughs) And within 48 hours of taking over the Facebook account, you went out on your own without me firing a shot and you got a cell phone. So now I can actually reach you without having to put everything through your wife first, right? I'm curious. You didn't have a cell phone at all. No, no, not,
2: not even a non-smartphone. No, no. The Whoa, he, yeah. This that is... explains why I texted you several months ago and I never heard back from
1: you. Oh yes. crap! I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So I were you were probably texting his home line. Yeah, probably. So you were either texting my home line or you were texting the phone that belongs to the fantasy shop that I turned back into them when
0: I rage quit. Yeah. All right. So I had this plan on Facebook that I was just going to keep escalating toward, it's like a doomsday clock, right? It, it started off just a little past midnight, right? Where the start of the day started kind of mellow and it was just going to slowly take upward and occasionally hit these hour marks. right? And then on November 1st, so your brother, he was mean to me, so I set it back to October 1st. <laughs> What? my my brother my
1: brother was doing his
0: familial duty and defending my good reputation and so you know what that's fine but he he really should not have entered the circus maximus <laughs> while the lions were still about all right <laughs> because he did not defend you he just smeared <laughs> sweet baby Ray's honey barbecue sauce. <laughs> On you, on your Uh, naked body. Oh, my goodness. As the lions were about. (laughs) And so you did take control of it. And you were starting to tell us a story.
1: Well, so, all right. I mean, this went through many, many evolutions. I actually took over the Facebook page before I bought the cell phone. Right. I was like, all right. So my brother has contacted me and he is concerned because this is (laughs) my public image. Right. This is my reputation and my good name. We'll take that for what it's worth. And there are so many people out there that don't know that it's not me. And there are people who would like me to participate so that I may be contacted. So I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go look. This was my first break point as I am actually I'm just going to go read some of the things that I'm saying on Facebook and I read through and I was like you know this is all that I've said or that I've said some permutation of. So it's all very much me. Yes. But not things that I would actually, I don't know, put out for the world to see. And my prospective employers to look at and be like, so you blow dudes
0: for a quarter, (laughs) right? So I see, that's what I did is I tried
1: very, I wanted to be authentic. No, you were, you were a better me than me. And that's what I've told people. I was like, now that I'm running this show, it's going to be boring as
0: hell. This was not meant to be fictitious. This was going to be 100% Pure, unfiltered brood or a lot of the posts were either things you had said or things that just, you know, I've been role playing for, what, about 30 years now? Things I could picture you saying, (laughs) even if they hadn't actually been said yet.
1: Fortunately, you didn't go into my whole diatribe about how we should figure out a way to get off fossil fuels by running cars on abortions, and then we should just have what? automobiles pull right up to the clinic, right? So any which way. yeah. So there you go. I'll ruin my own reputation, thank you very much. The but... opinions expressed
2: by Brodo are not necessarily those. If
0: yeah. So, so the only reason you, you can't, I, I don't think I would have gone with that one, is that strikes me <laughs> more as a Bob Arnes thing. Because when he was writing for, or maybe still is writing for, Cthulhu attack, the... Call a Cthulhu Battletech sort of mashup. Right. I, I don't know. Do you know much about Robotech that one of the vaguely, okay. One of the big reactors in there is run by keeping a flower of life, which creates the protoculture kind of in, in this permanent state of not quite maturing. Sure. And that's what he had powering a, a mech, except it was a baby. It was like forever stuck. So
1: great minds years ago, I ran a deadlands game and, And one of the encounters was called Womb with a View, and they were automatons that did something quite similar, and they were powered by this unborn, untainted soul, right? Except it had one of these big, almost like a garage door thing in the middle of its torso, so as part of its fear effect, it just opened up. And everybody had to make a guts check. And one of my players actually had a fear of pregnant women, like, from that day forward. <laughs> Any which way. So, again, I'll ruin my own reputation. Thank you very much. So, but what got me is I started looking through the friends list, right? And I'm looking at all these people, most of whom I've never met in person. Some of them, I I, I mean, maybe I would recognize them at, at a con or whatever, but... I'm looking at, you know, friends and family, people that I actually know who are reading these words coming from me that I would, even though I say these things, I would not say these things to them. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, this, this has probably gone too far. But then after I've taken over the account and I'm reading the fear, the boot page and, you know, Dan doing his minor victory lap there, I can just see him being showered with Laurel Reeves from the crowd. But. I read that the ultimate doomsday plan (laughs) was that you were going to contact my mother (laughs) and and, and friend her and try to begin the healing process. Like that's friendship ending stuff right there. (laughs) That's I mean, that's, Hard. I think that's what tour. he meant by
2: doomsday. There, that's yeah. why
1: I was called the doomsday oh, club. Oh, with the doomsday. Oh my deal. God! Now I'm regretful because I, could you could would you actually go through with it? <laughs> would our friendship survive? <laughs> I mean, that's out of control. You are devious. That is wicked, wicked, evil. So, but I mean, I mean, when I give up, I give up hard. I mean, I'm I'm a world class quitter, right? Sure. So <laughs> I figure I was like in for a penny, in for a pound. I guess I'm buying a. F- phone.
0: I'm a world-class quitter would be your status tomorrow if you hadn't taken it back over.
1: That's my suicide note, right? That's my my suicide note. I I, I run through these scenarios where I write different suicide notes, and my two favorites are, one, I've always been a quitter, because that just gets you, right? And that one, break many, many hearts, many, many tears. But my other one is, I kill myself in the shower, and
2: they say, sorry about the mess. See, I imagine... (laughs) I imagine you getting your phone and then standing outside of Dan's house, playing a song, playing in your eyes and holding it up. Like John Q said, say anything like
0: this is it.
1: Yeah. It it was, it was horrible. So immediately my wife is like, well, there are a number of people that you need to text. I forgot about your wife in this situation. they, They need, they need to know. Oh man, nobody. I mean, and I know my brother's probably listening to this episode, they could do a competition on who hates my mother more. (laughs) Right. I mean, my, my wife would hold her own in that battle. So I, my wife's like, okay, well, you're going to have to text this person and this person and this person. And so here's how analog I am. I have a piece of two pieces of graph paper, stapled together and I have people's names written out and their phone numbers and or email addresses. And so I'm going through that. I'm like, okay, I got to text my brother. I got to text my sister. I got to text Dan. I got to, and now I'm connected and now they know everything about me and what I'm doing and what I like and what I don't like and how to <laughs> find me. I don't like it. I love it. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> yeah. So I texted Dan. I'm like, this is Brodor. Yes, this is real. And he just texts back, it's glorious. <laughs> My brother, smart ass that he is, he, uh, he says, oh, I see you finally capitulated or something to that degree. And then he put a smiley face behind it. And then he texts me this big explanation about what a smiley face emoji is <laughs> and
0: how they work. <laughs>
1: So, so, so I text him back. I'm like, I'm like, yes, yes. Complete and utter referring to my capitulation. And then I said, nice explanation. How do I denote sarcasm? So he texts me back slash S and I was like, you're a (laughs) prick, but I love him.
2: It's an amazing world you've entered into.
1: Yeah. I hate it. I hate it so much because here's the thing about, here's the thing about it. And I didn't mean to get this deep into the weeds, Mm -hmm. but it's so stressful, right? I'm dyslexic. I don't know. I, I, I didn't stress I, me. I read slowly. And so I look and it's just this deluge of information and comments. And I don't know where to start and I don't know how to manage it. And it took me forever to figure out how to change my password. And I'm like, I'm like, I, I can't do this, this is like another job. How do you do it? Filters, there's, yes. there's a lot of techniques. Yes. I need a class. I Literally, I'm okay. not kidding. I, I need sh-
0: a tutorial I, on Facebook. I, I'm not going to turn this episode of Fear the Boot into a Facebook tutorial, but the short version is you start looking through what you see on that news right. page. And there are ways you can do what's called unfollowing certain people mm-hmm. where you don't unfriend them, but you simply remove their content from right. what you yeah. see there are ways to promote and demote certain people. So certain people's stuff tends to float to the top. Gotcha. And it is unnecessarily complicated. So
1: my, my brother and that group of guys that I game with, you know, semi-regularly in Kansas city, I would like their stuff to float to the
0: top. Yeah. And you can put people into groups where you can say like, Mm -hmm. okay, this is my, these are my friends. These are people that are, I know through the booth, these are family members and you can set posts to only be visible to certain people. And, you can then view the posts by certain people. Right. So I can walk you through that sometime. But it is a bit daunting at first because, well, I mean, in your case, it's not like you signed up and got one friend and then another and then another. By the time you took that account, I mean, I'd already given you a couple hundred friends. Yeah. And so yeah, you true. you inherited a phone book.
1: Yeah, I had to unfriend the Illinois Nazi Party because I hate Illinois Nazis. <laughs> but
0: <laughs> I know that one I didn't do. <laughs> you didn't. I did yeah. <laughs> I did do that to somebody else, though. (laughs) Sort of. He uh, went on vacation and came back, and he didn't put a location on any of his photos. And Facebook, for some reason, I have no idea why. And I, I don't have access to his account, right? I didn't hack him. I wasn't running his account, nothing like that. But it started, like, prompting me, where were these photos taken? So I started putting in, like, abortion clinics and, LGBT therapy places and just I mean just anything no matter how whatever at, came to mind whatever sure. you just any random thing that came to mind anything that could connect back to Brodor yeah <laughs> no, <this makes> <laughs> right. this, I didn't even know brodor when this happened this was years <laughs> ago but it just kept asking me where stuff was and so I just tried to think of just the strangest stuff I could and I put him like an Alcoholics Anonymous and I just, <laughs> But it was funny because yeah. the pictures didn't lie. No meetings that at are so all. depressing. I mean it's it's hard. Now I wouldn't like how would you know you're not a quitter? But I'm a world-class quitter. But, but it, it was funny because these pictures had nothing to do, obviously, with the places I was right. putting them at. It's like him next to a stuffed buffalo or something, and you know, that's like the clan. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so there you go. I'm on Facebook.
1: It's actually me now. Now I have to go back through and decide, you know, the actual, the hard decisions of which posts do I leave up and which posts do I actually delete? Because the thing is, you can't control what other people say, but then you're going to be
0: guilted by association. Sure. Well, what sure. I want you to, I, first of all, I did lock down your posts so that only friends can see them. Okay. Now, of course, I accepted any friend requests I was sent. Yeah. But nonetheless, it's not a publicly visible page. Right. But the other thing that I want to be sure you understand was my plan was not just to contact your mother, it was attempt to mend that relationship.
1: <laughs> no, I get it. To deal honestly and plainly <laughs> uh, with the issues
0: that had occurred to them. Wow. That's not right. Well, enjoy your Vic.
2: I don't know that you joining Facebook could have gone any other way. <laughs> You know, from what I've gleaned about you from listening to the podcast and the the times that you and I have interacted with each other, uh, I'm actually really surprised that you weren't already on social media. And so when I found out that you weren't and Dan was talking, I'm like, oh, he's getting on there. He's going to be on there at some point. It's going to happen.
1: I mean, honestly, I'm a lazy person. And that True. strikes me as a tremendous amount of effort. It really isn't. I it's mean,
0: not. it's, it's, it's really not, you it's know. a whole lot of skim reading. Yeah, pretty much. And then something catches your eye and you read that in detail.
1: All right. Yeah. So. Like somebody. So when I said, you know, attention, all planets, I can't remember her name, but she posted, aren't you 95 years early? And I was like, that's a brilliant post. And it's really, it was really a great comment. And I still didn't even reply to it because I just like, because that was too much effort. You,
0: You just click like. So if she's listening, that was a great, great comment. You just click like. And then you move on. No, I got you. And that way people feel validated. And
1: they're acknowledged. Sure, and they're acknowledged sure, and then sure. you move on.
0: And the more you interact with people by that by that
2: measure, mm-hmm. the more that they actually appear on your feed. Right. And then the more
1: that they, the capital T-H-E-Y, right. knows about me and my associations and my likes and dislikes. You see how and this that works. big data center <laughs> out in Utah. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I don't like it. Lord, the
0: data's Not already there. I,
1: I know. But... <laughs> Okay, right, but mine was I, was I had a, not
0: volunteer. Okay see, I had a guy and it's no it didn't it doesn't matter. Here's why it doesn't matter. I had a guy that I used to work with who refused to get and he was really, really tech savvy. I mean he was like a top level software architect, whatever and he refused to get on Facebook for the same reason. He's like, well, I don't want all this data collated on me and blah blah blah. And I'm like his name was Chuck. I'm like Chuck really? You seriously think that these systems have not already collated this. And so I'm like, what do you think they'd learn from Facebook? Well, who I'm related to what I'm interested in, my
1: political views, my voting habits. My yeah. Name.
0: So what yeah. I did was I pulled up a couple of websites and I was able pretty quickly and I'm not talking, this is no dark web stuff. I'm talking straight through Google. I was able to pull up a handful of websites and show him all that information on him. And I said, have you posted this anywhere? He's like, no. I said, all you are doing by going on Facebook, Facebook, is you're taking ownership of the information. Mm. You are not adding to it. Right. You so, like, are simply taking ownership so of it. So I should go to Facebook and post how many times
1: I Google images Christina Hendricks. Like, yeah. I should just put that information out but there yeah, so the world there's, knows. There's probably I f- like a
0: Christina Hendricks fan page. Just I, go ahead yeah. and like it. I mean, look, if they already know it anyway, you might as well own it. it it's a terrible, terrible, cynical sort of surrender, but it is... Such a sweet surrender. You,
1: you're right. I'm going home and I'm putting my phone in the drill press. <laughs> Just make sure you text me before you do. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> I'll film it. Just, you know, hit record, turn it over. So the camera can see yeah. the descending. bit. Right. Make, make sure your eyes right go really wide. Yeah. 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 So, all right. Like Lawrence of Arabia getting cornhole, Just that big. Yeah. <laughs> <snap.
0: laughs> uh, <laughs> That would be your status tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> My
2: corridor so, is getting cornhole. Yeah.
1: Uh, so there,
0: there you go. Okay, so let's talk about an actual gaming topic. Do you oh. believe they let me talk to children? <laughs> yeah, that's today's gaming topic. Yeah. Believe it or not. Oh. So, all right, Brodor. Completely unrelated. All this yesterday, or was it two days ago, I don't know. It was Friday. It was Friday. Okay, yeah. so it was like quite a while ago. So several days ago, we went to see Ghost in the Shell. Oh,
1: all no, right. that was Sunday. Well, that's I've, what I'm talking
0: about. Okay, yeah, so it was just this past Sunday. All right, right, okay, so my sense of time is better than I thought. Okay, so Sunday, we go see Ghost in the Shell. I and, thought you were asking me when I talked to children. No, all right, and I and you start telling me the story about yeah. talking to children about gaming, and... I want you to tell that story to our audience because of the fact that when you started talking about this and I'm going to interrupt you more than even I usually do probably because there is so much in this that both fascinates me and sparks my curiosity. So go to it. What did you do on Friday? So a friend of mine,
1: Kathleen King Mercury, she is a teacher for gifted students in a local elementary school in a particularly affluent neighborhood. And she does not teach a traditional class. She has gifted seventh and eighth graders, and she teaches them game design, game theory. And so they do board games, card games, role-playing games, pretty much anything not electronic. And she teaches them concept of, of games and critical thinking and structure, et cetera. And so I sit on the Geek Way to the West board for the board game convention, Geek Way to the West, with you know Kathleen and a number of other people. And she told me that she teaches this class, and she's really into role-playing games. And I told her, I said, "You know, I love role-playing games. I do a podcast about role-playing games." And so she said, "Well, I would love to have you come in and talk to the kids." So I went in on the Friday, well, before the recording of this episode. And I sat down, talked to the kids about a variety of things, introduced myself and my bona fides, if you will, my gaming credentials. And we talked about why role-playing games are fun, why role-playing games are educational, um, what attracted me to the hobby. I asked the kids what attracted them to the hobby. And this was not a small classroom of people. I mean, there must have been 40 plus students crammed into this room with myself, Kathleen, and another member of the board by the name of Mark. After maybe 20 minutes or so of Q&A with the students, we broke up into groups and the kids ran games for other kids. So you'd have a group of, you know, five or six kids playing Dungeons and Dragons with one game master. You had kids playing
0: a variety of other games. Okay, well, let's do the first pause right there. This entire setup blows my mind. Uh, Now, something we've talked about on the show before, and this is some, or I don't know, I think we have. If nothing else, I know that Chad and I have talked about this ad nauseum in other formats, is when I was growing up, uh, they put me in a gifted program called Stretch. And one of the things that I loved about Stretch was... (laughs) Not that kind of Stretch. (laughs) It was, <laughs> I have no idea, I don't even want to know, was they taught a lot of things along the lines of critical thinking, yeah. mm-hmm. how to deduce, how to induce, you're not what to think, but how to think. And there were many times they would put scenarios in front of us that it was all about the process, not about the answer. It was how do you arrive at information from insufficient information how do you take the concepts from one idea and apply them to a completely unrelated idea? It was a time that, to be honest, this is what I think primary education ought to be for everybody. My biggest resentment of the whole thing is this should not have been a gifted class. This should have been what they do for everyone. As opposed to listen,
1: read, regurgitate? Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: Right there, you know, I I think that's great. And I think role-playing games are a great place to do that. But I cannot imagine thinking back to when I was in stretch in the 1980s during the height of the Satanic Panic, having a teacher do a class about non-traditional board games, card games, and particularly tabletop role-playing games. So the idea that you can not only have such a class at all, But have it in that size and without any kind of resistance, protest, or outrage. That alone right there completely blew my mind. I mean, every fuse in my mind had to be reset just after hearing that one truth. Dan, you also have to consider, you and I,
2: we went to the same school district. Yes. In the St. Louis area, and the amount of money they spent per capita per student We were twenty third out of twenty six school districts. Yes. So I took a class my sophomore year called airbrush techniques. How many times I've held an airbrush since high school? I mean, I saw your Camaro. Yeah, it was bitching. Was it? (laughs) It Was yeah. Um, That was an obvious throwaway. Sorry about that. No, but yeah, I mean, our school district didn't have a whole lot of money to do stuff like that. No, but they also. You know, the most intelligent people who are on staff at that school were also some of the biggest, you know, and that's that's the unfortunate thing is is you have people who knew more than everybody else, probably even the administration. And they didn't have the foresight to be able to do something like the stretch program for everybody. It just I mean, airbrush, seriously, it blows my mind that I was able to take that class when we were in high school, you know, it's so I'm, I'm really excited that I'm a little surprised that it's not happening at, that a class like this isn't happening at more schools and that it's happening in a very, you know, advanced school in a very advanced, you know, financially well-to-do neighborhood. So I'm a little surprised that more
0: school districts aren't trying something like this. But the other thing that really surprised me was when you were telling me the story you were talking about how long was your speech? How long did you talk? So, I
1: mean, on and off, it was maybe twenty minutes. Yeah, really? Yeah. Okay. Man, twenty minutes. I. <laughs> it was brief introduction. Um, there was a there was a very tense moment where you know, Kathleen <laughs> introduced me and says, "And Mike does a podcast about role playing games." And I, I have that initial like, oh, "That's not really my show." I kind of got you know kind of coattailed on, and then I hear from the audience what's it called? And I was like, it's called talking tabletop with Jim McClure. <laughs> and, and they're like, no, really? What's it called? I said, well, it's called fear the boot. I said, but don't listen to any episode that I am on. I said, not only is the gaming advice subpar generally on those episodes, I said, but I really don't use appropriate language. And they're like, well, you know, King Mercury is our teacher. And she uses bad language. I'm like, it's not the same thing. I really say so. Some- because weren't their parents there? No, parents had not shown
0: up Okay, because they just outed yeah. her. Well, I think they were kidding. First but- of all, I think it's also hilarious yeah. that her, her name is King Mercury. Yeah. That right there yeah. is role-playing yeah. material. Yeah. If there is not an NPC in your campaign, and by you, I mean anyone listening. It's not you, <laughs> yeah, Brodor. Right. If there is not an NPC in your campaign named King Mercury, yeah. then you you have failed. Well,
1: in my roller derby game at Fear the Con, there's definitely a King Mercury now. Yeah, there you go. and he's a beast. He's going <laughs> to smoke fools. Anyway, so yeah we talked for we talk for a little bit she introduces me I talk about the talk about the show talk about my love of the hobby and then you know pretty quickly we get into questions them questioning me me questioning them hands going up chaos ensuing until Kathleen who was really I mean talk about a child wrangler I mean she was amazing um, in her ability to control the tone and volume of the room and the level of participation it was great but So eventually we just break up into groups and uh, the kids who are running games go into separate, you know, offshoot rooms to set up their games. Uh, There was a group of kids that was playing Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition in my room. And then I set up to play a terrible RPG with Kathleen and Mark
0: and some other kids. We're going to talk about terrible here in a second. But so some of these kids that were running these games Mm -hmm. and you told me something else that blew my mind, which is when the parents showed up. Some of these kids right. who teach tabletop role-playing were running the games yeah. for groups of parents.
1: Yeah, there was a group of maybe five parents That's and amazing. one kid running running a game, a Dungeons & Dragons scenario, for this group yeah. of parents. So not
0: just his parents, yeah. Yeah, but other kids' parents. But yeah, Susie and Billy and whoever else's parents as well. So... And had some of these kids never even played a role-playing
1: game before? So I think that all of the kids had some level of exposure. Because one of the great things that Kathleen's doing is she said, okay, we're going to teach you about games. You're fans of games. Now we're going to take it to the next level, and you guys are going to design games. Mm -hmm. We're going to learn the thought processes no, no. behind structuring games, <laughs> why that's important that's and what, what can be learned about critical thinking. That's, and, that's
0: not what she yeah, said. Yeah. She said, you guys are all fans <laughs> of games and now we're going to take you to the next level. <laughs> Fear are the <f-ing> boot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, and that reminds me, I actually need to Facebook Kathleen because I told her, I said, look, the con doesn't cost anything. It's already paid for, you know, yeah. it will be very fam- family and kid friendly, assuming I'm not running the game. And the kids should show up and they should participate. And there be, are, there absolutely are kid yes, friendly absolutely. games. Yes. Yeah. In fact, we had- I, I was honestly, my first fear of the con, I was alarmed by the number of children only because I was like, they're going to be in the room while I'm running my game. And I'm a little concerned.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it's the site of set up con planner set up such that you can indicate an age range on a game. And I mean, certainly I would recommend, you know, if you can find the person, ask them, Hey, do you mind a child being there? Or post a note next to the attendee. But I mean, look, if they've rated it for any age, then, but I will say that at past Fear of the Cons, we have had children attend and people have been very happy to run child friendly games. And all of the adult, adolescent to young adult, to middle aged adult, to senior adult, whatever, that have been there have been very, very thrilled to have children participating. Because of the fact that, I mean, it's this great thing of of passing that hobby down. I mean, we're on the young side of it. But, you know, we're still more or less within the lifespan of the first generation of role players. And I mean, I guess it really started with the baby boomers and then maybe the front end of Gen X. So I said, we're we're maybe a little late on that. But we're still basically part of first generation role players. And so watching this get passed down to people that are not just going to outlive us by a little bit. But outlive us by decades. Well, and here's what's, I mean, truly,
1: I mean, there were so many amazing things about it, but two things in particular stuck out to me. One was these kids were so sharp. I mean, they were, I don't have kids of my own, so I'm not very good about gauging age and intellect and command of language, etc. These kids were extremely smart. One kid, so smart to the fact that he asked me a question about game mechanics, impacting the flow of story and can mechanics get in the way? But he did it in such a way that I stopped and I, I took a step back and I looked at him like, "Well, that's awfully loaded." <laughs> I said, "So let me speak out of both sides of my mouth when I answered his question." But they were really
0: r- remarkably intelligent and together right. and creative. Next time you do this, if we really want to test Sailor Mercury or whatever her name King. is, the King, right? Yeah, okay, King Mercury, King Mercury. Yeah. We really want to test her control situation and the knowledge of these children, you need to bring me and chat in. Because if we can get through our hellos in 20 minutes, then then that will be a thing of glory.
1: But the other thing that was so amazing about these kids was the depth and variety of experience that they had in role-playing games. I mean, these kids are not just talking about 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. They're talking about Dread and Fiasco and ten candles. I mean, these kids were really, really involved in the hobby. It was, it was really amazing. That's awesome. I, I was yeah. so f- jealous. I,
0: I mean, I mean, because when when we were kids, you did yeah. not openly yeah. pursue this stuff. Yeah. Here's your beating in your gruel, kid. Now go away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if if you you just didn't openly pursue this. Right. If right. it wasn't Satanic Panic, it was because. You were going right. to get your ass kicked and shoved in a locker, right? And we talked. We talked about that. I said, "You said you guys are so
1: lucky." And I don't want to get too heavy for you because I know you're, you know, all budding teenagers. I said, "But when I was your age, this was something that you hid, especially when you're going, you're getting ready to go into high school, and you're interested in dating, and you don't want people to think negatively of you." You guys are living, and I and I truly believe this. Not, and it's not just me being glib that you live in the golden age of role playing games where people are kickstarting and self publishing and putting things online and the philosophy about gaming has evolved so much just game style game theory has changed the social acceptance the you know the image of gamers in society because now the movers and shakers that are really controlling The flow of fiction, the tastemakers are all guys and and ladies in their early 40s that grew up loving Thundercats and Ninja Turtles and all that sort of stuff. Right. And general escapism, right? Mm -hmm. They're the people that are controlling the universe right now, and these
0: kids get to grow up in their world, and I'm so jealous of that. Uh, I agree, because when we were growing up, the games, and I mean, they were great games. I'm a big fan of old games. That's hardly been a secret on this show but they very much showed the influence of the 10 pounds of Prussians, mm-hmm. And I mean that in terms of they were highly tactical. There was a lot of rules. There was a lot of crunch to it. And oftentimes role playing story took a backseat. There was a lot of unwillingness to really experiment with not just the general formulae, but the entire essence right. of what is a role playing. What does it mean to right. role play gentlemen? I'm hoping We can get on the show here to interview uh, who I should talk to. And she was at Emerald City Comic Con. And by the way, if you haven't checked out that coverage, you can find it by going to her website and clicking the blog tab at the top. I I had to separate the blog from the podcast because people were bitching about my XCOM content, flooding it. But the point being, she did some great coverage. And she talked to a guy whose entire thing is. GMless games, mm-hmm. games that are run purely by a group of players. Now, is that what I want out of a game? No, not really. I like the more traditional style. But this is the type of thing that back in the eighties, I mean, this was not going to be on the even the back shelves where you got your D and D books somewhere back behind the porn,
1: right? and And what's interesting to me is that something that I don't think all of the kids, at least to differing degrees, but I don't think that collectively they really had a lot of they they hadn't separated story from mechanics yet. One kid asked me a question about his game and how it was very combat oriented and had a lot of crunch mechanic to it, and he asked me about you know how that's going to essentially and paraphrasing his question, but essentially how those mechanics are going to impact and affect his players and their ability to role play. And what I told him, I said, I said, look, you guys need to something magic about role playing games that you really have to wrap your head around is your rules are important in terms of we all have an agreed upon way that tasks will be resolved, whether those tasks are combat or skill challenges, or social challenges. We all agree that these are the rules that will arbitrate that resolution. I said, but story's a different thing. So any game can be good, any game can be bad, and the mechanics generally are not at fault. It's about the flow of the game, the participation of the players, player agency,
0: et cetera. So, Broder, there's something I want to do here. I'm going to put out here, and I want you to run this past Princess Pluto and see if she's down for it. (laughs) Which is... I would love to do an episode of Fear the Boot, all right? And we'll keep it completely G-rated. All right. right, I'll miss you
1: guys. (laughs) We'll keep keep it
0: completely clean, right? But could you ask her if her kids have questions about role-playing games, like things like that, Sure. the relationship between rules and story or whatever? Write those questions down. Send them to us. First names only. We're not looking to, you know... Right, identify children, whatever. We're not, we're, I'm not not looking to create some kind of legal issue or, or stalkers. Bad people out there, right? But see if she'll get us a collection of questions that we will then dedicate through in an episode or a series of episodes just for them. G-rated, all that kind of stuff that she can then take back and give to the kids in whatever format she prefers and we will field their questions in a completely school-appropriate G rated manner because of the fact that first of all, I think it's really important that if we want to see the hobby survive generationally, Mm -hmm. that we need to support this. Secondly, as someone where I don't have kids either, but I do have nieces and nephews and a lot of my friends have children that I would love to see come into the hobby. This is the kind of thing that I want to start practicing and honing of passing this on, but thirdly, because, look, these are are sharp kids, and kids in general, they get to the heart of things, right? They see the world in in a pretty poignant way, and I think in the process of answering the questions that these kids have, we're going to answer the exact same questions that a lot of adults are already asking anyway. If you want my honest guess, mm-hmm. it's the sort of thing though, that, that a kid will ask and right. an adult won't, right. but the adults wondering the exact same yeah. thing or struggling yeah. with the exact same thing.
1: Yeah. Cause I mean, it was to them because they were young and inexperienced the concept of the two things being separate, but both important. You know they hadn't really wrapped their heads around that—that that you could have a a game like Pathfinder that has a lot of crunch and mechanic to it, and still have a really great well,
0: involved narrative. And this right. also goes back to the great thing about the process of thinking not the conclusion, because can you imagine the brawl between Chad and John on that question? Right. <laughs> what does the critical role? Well, that's mean? why
1: that's why Kathleen asked the rational non hastily responding, non angry judgmental person on you know, fear the boot. I
0: wasn't there. To- <laughs> she asked
2: you, <laughs> I, I, you know, I have to give props to Kathleen because I I've met her and, um, Yeah, I know. I feel so left out. I'm probably the only person here that hasn't. I know, right? It's only my first time on the show. Uh, (laughs) I met her last year at Geekway to the West, and the reason I met her is because she was doing something called fancy gaming. Saturday night, starting at 6 o'clock, they were doing this thing where people could come in and play whatever games they wanted to, and they would just dress up. Now, you were there for the last part of it. And people dressed up in evening wear, in all sorts of finery. Yeah, tuxedos. uh, I came in a tuxedo with tails. Yeah because I don't own a suit, but I have a tuxedo <laughs> being a DJ. One of the guys that I was playing with, who was also a DJ from Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, wearing a full kilt, wearing the, all the dress up and everything else like that. And it was just, and some people came in cosplay. But she organized the thing, and she's like, this is a great opportunity for us to do something a little bit different. Doesn't surprise me at all that she's doing this with a particular class. I've been able to make inroads with the kids in my family. My nephew is 13 years old, and he's a Awesome kid. His name's McCartney. And partially because of you, uh, Brodor, I have a restraining order. uh, Yeah. (laughs) I have been able to make some inroads with him. Back when you were working at the fantasy shop, you donated a stack of games to a silent auction Mm -hmm. that my church was having as a a benefit. Uh, As soon as I saw what the games were, I looked at my wife. I said, we're going home with these. And she says, are, are we going to go in debt to go home with these games? I said, no, and and nah, we're, we're robbing this place. Right.
0: I mean, <laughs> yeah. And you church, can't bother God
2: too much. <laughs> you would, yeah, you would even ask me, hey, do you want role-playing games? I'm like, well, I, I don't know that many people know it, so let's do tabletop board games. And he, I showed up to pick up this box, and it's got Nexus Ops, it's got Rampage, it's got Speedy Recall, Dow, a, a bunch of games in there. And I'm like, what's the total value? Because I needed to know for the... Sure auction, and they told me, and I was like, okay, what can I buy while I'm here? And that's where I bought Fiasco. Oh, nice. That was the day I bought Fiasco. And thus began the journey. But my nephew went with us to the, it was a trivia night in silent auction, and he was there with us, and he saw the stack. He's like, are you buying those? I said, damn straight. I'm buying these. <laughs> and what what's happened, though, was that it has allowed me to be able to make a connection with him. Now, he has speech apraxia. For those of you that don't know what that is, it's a speech delay disorder where the mind forms the things that you want to say. But the mechanics of actually getting the neurons to fire between what your brain comes up with and actually getting the mechanics of the speech to work doesn't work all that much. So people with speech apraxia a lot of times do not say very many things at all for long stretches of time, and then, bang, they'll just talk at length about whatever. Sometimes they're very... Like, picky. like it's just queuing up in his mind? No, it, 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 that they won't fire, that the neurons actually won't fire, and you have to train yourself to be able to... Okay, move. got right. it. Right. So this allows for an elongated process of learning how to socialize, and... That year, when we bought those games, we pulled out Rampage, and I started playing Rampage with him. He loved it, and he enjoyed it, and he picked it up like that. He's a very, very, very smart kid, but because of his speech delay and because of the fact that he can't always articulate what it is that he's thinking, a lot of people don't know that about him. He began to develop this way. As he and I began to play together, a really cool thing happened as we began to bond. And so we would play that. He got Legendary for Christmas and we began to play that and I would show him these other, other tabletop games that I got. And he told me at one point he would really like to play a role playing game. He and I have never been able to do it, but since then he's turned 13 and I've also been able to share some of these games with some of his, his cousins, some of uh, my nieces and nephews and who their ages range from 17 all the way down to like six. And so I've even, he was even able to rope my wife into a game of castle panic with us. You know, which is a great game to start because basically you're matching colors. And she actually enjoyed it, which surprised the crap out of me because she (laughs) is not a gamer. (laughs) But I've got nieces and nephews that are around McCartney's age, older and younger, that I can use this now to connect with them. And so these kids that are taking this class, some of them will continue on this gaming path in their life. Some of them won't. They'll look at it as as a class that they have to take and, you know, kind of like literature. You know, there are certain types of literature I like to read. I don't like to read a lot of the type of literature that we had to read in junior high and high school. But I still like to read certain things. Some of these things are going to happen. But the thing about it, and that I love that she's doing, is this is what people do. It's not an abnormal thing to play these types of games. I'm getting passionate now. <laughs> <laughs> it's It's not an abnormal thing. And the only reason I didn't get involved in this type of gaming when I was younger, not for lack of trying, Dan, you invited me to play Fastest Star Trek when you got it. And the only reason I said no, I have told you this earlier, was because at the time I wasn't a fan of Star Trek. I knew nothing about the world and the universe. And I'm like, yeah, I'm useless. So no. And it took me God, what, 20 years, more than 20 years, before I actually got into a role-playing game. And my first one was one that you ran at Fear the Con.
0: Yeah, the ferret game.
2: The ferret, It was it was phenomenal. And I was just like, why in the hell have I waited so long to, to do this? Yeah. And so I'm really, really glad that she's doing this with these. I, I think that would be a fantastic episode for any family. To I, I agree. To. And I
0: think it would be a fantastic episode for people in general. Cause like I said, I would wager the questions that these kids have are going to be both insightful, <laughs> but also are probably going to mimic a lot of what older listeners are wondering. So reach out to her, see if she'll do it. And like I said, if she, if she wants to do it, the boot we will produce however many episodes it takes for us to get through those questions and we'll keep it G rated family friendly, sure. you know, whatever. I, I can do that. And we'll, yeah. we'll so, but <laughs> the, the next thing I wanted to ask you about, as is, long as you don't, as long as you're not on Facebook while it's, <laughs> <open>. <laughs> yeah, just don't give me your Facebook page. But the other thing that you were talking about that I really wanted to ask about was, because it, it just amazes me that this class exists, that you've got kids running games for each other, kids running games for the parents. Many of these with minimal role-playing experience. But you said that some of the games were in like D&D and the the titles you'd expect. There was a title you threw in there that I'm going to openly admit I'm not familiar with, which is this game called Terrible. Mm -hmm. Can you explain Terrible?
1: So when we had Jim McClure on the show to talk about Satanic Panic, he mentioned a game that he did. That's a uh, one page free to download from their website. Uh, three was it three act games or third act games. I'm going to misquote it. We should maybe it's, look it up in and-
0: pornhub.com.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so um, he had mentioned a game, you know, terrible RPG. And I was like one page RPG. Well, I'll look into that. I'll read those rules. So I go to uh, his website and I read through it. And essentially here's the concept. You have one sheet of paper. You write down 10 or excuse me, six skills, On your one sheet of paper, you can write them down in any size and orientation that you want. You get to define the skills how you want, but when the GM calls for you to make a skill check of the particular skill that you're going to use, you must remove at least one letter of that skill by tearing it so you... Basically, once you orient your fingers for the tear, you cannot move them, you must tear off at least one complete letter, and it must cover the tear template, which is one square inch. So you have to tear
0: off yeah. any portion of piece of paper you want. No, it has to be a letter oh, no, no, of I'm, the skill I'm, you're I'm using. Getting okay, okay, I'm getting gotcha. it has to include at least one full complete letter mm-hmm. of the skill you want to use. So if the skill starts with, let's say it's kicking, you have to get at least the K. You can not have, have half the K. And the whole thing has to be at least one square inch at some point. Yeah. Some point down. Okay. So, and obviously when you, I'll assume if you fail to tear a complete letter. It's a faux pas and you must tear again. Okay. And what happens when you run out of paper
1: or. Well, so if you don't have letters in a skill anymore, you no longer get to use that skill. But here's the other kicker. When you take damage, you must remove a, you must remove a letter from a skill of the game master's choice. So, you know, one of the, one of the kids had advanced spacesuit. That was his skill, right? So when he wanted to use special powers of his advanced spacesuit, in our Star Wars scenario, he would have to tear a letter. Now, if he took damage, I could say, hey, I want a letter from advanced
0: spacesuit. You know, this is an awesome, I'm going to leave this in the show notes. I don't know how I missed this. Because when we had Jim McClure on, obviously, I recall Satanic Panic. I I recall also the, was it Reflections? Reflections. Mm -hmm. The the game he was talking about where it's about the samurai Mm -hmm. duel. But I did not recall him mentioning this game. I don't know why. Because I actually listened to the episode twice. Mm -hmm. Once in the recording and then once in the review prior to post. But somehow I missed that. So I'm going to link that in the show notes. Because this sounds like such a simple concept. Right. Like, I think in some ways, this is even more... Simple of an introductory mechanic than the Jenga Tower pull mm-hmm. is. Here's a piece of paper. Write your skills in such a way that they're going to be easy to tear, which that right there is a problem solving exercise right. mm-hmm. of how do you write the skills in such a way right. that you can easily tear one letter without tearing more than you need to.
1: Well, for example, Kathleen and Mark from the Geekway board. Uh, they played in my game and mark his first skill check. I'm not even kidding because he wrote his the way he wrote his skills out. It was basically, you know, tr- in a traditional manner. And when he did his first skill check, he pulled no lie in 11 inch long, one and a half inch wide strip off of his page. The first letter of every single skill, no lie, just for all of them. Like, well, that's one hell of a success right there. <laughs> so is there
0: a there time like. So if I have my skills written vertically, mm-hmm. and let's say the one I want is the first one, I mean, is there anything that stops me from just tearing down until I've got that first letter and then just twisting my wrist? so nothing, I just Nothing at all. No. It's okay. just a matter of how you play. Once you put
1: your fingers on, once you place your fingers, your Can't. fingers are placed. Right. You cannot brace it against anything. So you have to hold it up, right? In fact, we had one girl that Kathleen had to keep because that was one of the, best parts about having an actual teacher and the children's teacher at the table is that all the bull part about game mastering and wrangling that you have to do about rules enforcement and making sure that people get share spotlight and what have you. She did all of it. It was great. But one, one of the students, she kept trying to leave it on the table or brace it against her body. And Kathleen was great about, no, that's not how the rules work. Yeah, The rules dictate that you have to tear this. That's what we all agreed upon. Right. So any, which way, we had an absolute blast with it. It was really, really cool. But the part about it that I, the reason I chose terrible is I could read the rules very quickly. It allowed the players a tremendous amount of player agency in terms of what their character could and could not do. And they could see that the narrative can be separate from the mechanic and that whatever genre, whatever story we were telling we could cater that story to work with whatever mechanic. Because usually when I run Star Wars, I do Savage Worlds. But in this scenario, I did terrible. And it worked, you know, I
0: I think quite splendidly. Hmm. What other games are there? You said there's... D&D 5e you said they're terrible. So
1: unfortunately, I I know games that the kids were exposed to, but the room that I was in once the actual talk portion was over, right. the kids spread into other rooms. So I couldn't tell
0: you exactly what, was the what most, games were What play. was the most surprising title you heard in there?
1: Well, the most surprising title that I thought and I have not played it myself, but that the kids had been exposed to and talked about and played was 10 Candles. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't fatal, so... <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Thank God. It wasn't fatal, it wasn't riffs. Oh, yeah. my <laughs> goodness. <laughs> it was <riffs. laughs> uh, oh, Ten, oh, ten yeah. Candles is one of those brilliant mechanics. Dan, are you familiar with it? No, I'm not, actually. It's, it's, a, it's not even a horror survival game. It is a game about what people do before they die. And the mechanic is... So it's like Eternal Is, Sonata or yeah. As I Lay Here Dying. Kind or stuff. Of, yeah, you have 10 tea, 10 tea light candles that you you light, and then they're around a bowl, like a fireproof bowl. Yeah. Everybody's got skills, uh, a virtue and a vice, things like that, that they have written down on cards, and they basically roll a pool of dice. Well, as you go on, the more ones you roll, the ones revert out of your pool as players and go to the game master or, or just set aside. So as, as you keep going, it's harder and harder to roll successes. You can use one of these cards as your strength, your vice, your virtue, whatever, to help boost or re-roll. And when you do that, you light it on fire. Meaning meaning you still have that, but you cannot use it again to boost your roll, right? And as what happens is that when you fail a conflict roll, the scene ends, you blow out a candle. And in between each scene, everybody goes around. There's like a ritual. It's very cool. There's like a ritual to it where everybody basically establishes one truth about what's going on. So you can basically go from this scene stops and then maybe you jump forward in time a little bit. But the the general idea is that there is something dark that has come down upon the earth and they are coming for you.
0: So a candle ritual about dark powers <laughs> and ultimately people at the table die. I can imagine this having gone over wonderfully in the 80s. <laughs> I This, it's a tragic horror game
2: in, in that nobody survives. Sure. You know, but I really wanted to run this at Fear the Con, but I can't because the only place that you could, it has to be played in total darkness. Right.
0: And the only light is coming from the actual candles. But I also don't know how the durian would feel about us setting things yeah, on fire. Setting things
2: on fire. That's the other yeah, thing. Not, not just the right. candles,
0: but then the note cards and then the sprinkler system goes off, and then we get ejected.
2: No more god.
0: So, well, I think that's where we're going to wrap this one up then. For you guys at home, I hope that you will take some information here, some of the ideas here, you know, and, and don't be afraid to share the hobby with the people in your life. And, and the same way, I mean, if, if there are no kids in your life, you're not a kid person, then I, there are people that I've seen brought into this hobby. You know, we did the episode on reluctant yeah, you, Carl, gamers huh? a, a couple episodes back. And there are people in, in most of your lives, I would guess, that you want to bring into the hobby that maybe don't get what it's about. And they may not be up for something as complex in d d but something like terrible or something like that, you know, a, a, giving the hobby such a simple and such a flavorful approach, I think is still something worth considering, even if it's not for children. So beyond that, have a great week and great games, and we will catch you guys next time. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2017. Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the RPG Academy network of shows. You can find other great shows in this network at therpgacademy.com network.